Well, hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Josh. Like, I guess there's six Joshes in this church right now. So, hello to everybody who's watching online. Um, I'm so honored to to be here today to guest speak. And before I even get started, uh, one of the things that I really like to do when I get the opportunity to speak at another church is I like you guys to give the biggest round of applause here and at home for your pastor, Pastor Eric. Let's give it up for Eric. I really love... Being able to guest speak because not only do I get to get the opportunity to get to know great churches, but I get the opportunity to give your pastor a break. So anytime you have the opportunity to give your pastor a break, uh, do that. Um, I want to introduce you guys to my family just for a second. Um, I think they're, yeah, they're behind me. We, it's been a while since we've taken a family picture, so I, I did some crop in here. Uh, these are my kids. Uh, that's Asia. She is 11. She's in fifth grade. You can typically find her doing anything art-related or anything in front of a camera. She is going to be a YouTuber. Um, actually, she kind of is already. That's my little guy, Ellis. He's here today. He, uh, he loves drums and speakers. He's probably pointed out every speaker in this room and wanted to collect them all. Uh, he's like the Pokemon collector of speakers. Uh, that's my wife, Chelsea. Uh, she's a librarian and a writer and just a rock star mom and best friend. And this is our family. Uh, I, I love my family. You can typically find us watching Harry Potter or singing Hamilton songs at the top of our lungs. So that's, that's pretty much us in a nutshell. You've gotten to know, to, to know me that quickly. Um, as Eric said, I'm a church planter and starting a brand new church. And uh, I'm really excited again to be here today. I'm excited because I, I got to actually wear like a nice outfit. You, you know what I mean? Like, have you guys overworn your pajama pants and sweatpants too much? Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure, let's be honest, I'm pretty sure I haven't washed my sweatpants in like two weeks at this point. Anybody else? Anybody want to admit that? <laughs> Repent of, of maybe your uh, lounge clothes budget increasing just a little bit over 2020, right? And so I got really excited when I got to go to my closet last night and pick out, I was like, you know, oh, I have so many things that I haven't gotten to wear this year and show off. And so I'm looking at my, do you have like a power outfit that you go to? You know, you just like, this is, this is it. This sweater, these pants, I got new shoes. And so I'm, I'm really excited that I actually got to wear something different. Like, do you, do you guys have that? Do you guys have like your, your go-to outfit? Maybe it's your go-to shirt. Maybe it's your go-to uh, shoes, maybe it's your go-to jewelry, but my favorite thing to wear is actually the smallest thing that I wear, but it's the most significant. It's my wedding ring. It's, my, it's the smallest thing I wear, but it's the most significant because it represents a deep commitment, a deep commitment of love a deep commitment of a moment on the wedding day. All the couples are looking at each other and like, oh, like, I love our wedding rings. And I, I think about how much this means, but yet how small it is when I wear it. And I think 
for today, as we talk about baptism, the best way that I can describe baptism is that baptism is the wedding ring of faith. It's the thing that we put on to show that we are Christ, that we are in Christ, that we are following Christ. It's this outward expression of this inward commitment. Galatians 3.7 says it like this, For you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So this means that not being baptized doesn't mean that we're not children of God. It doesn't mean that we can't, that he doesn't love us. It doesn't mean that we can't dedicate our lives to him, but it's something that we clothe ourselves with. Baptism shows that we are his and he is ours. It's clothing ourselves with Christ. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward commitment. And so what I want to talk to you as we enter this, this two-week series of, of sacraments, I want to talk to you about the outward expression of baptism and the inward commitment. Now, maybe for some of you, you're in this place where it's like, you know, you haven't been baptized before. Maybe you're tuning in online and, and you've never been baptized. And my prayer for you today is that, that you would take steps maybe into exploring that. Maybe for some of you, you're like me, and you were raised in a, in a mainline denomination family, so you got baptized as a baby, and you had your parents and godparents stand before the congregation and make one of those vows that like, hey, I'm always going to raise them in the church, and then they actually never raise you in the church, and so you're just like, what the heck, I, I got ripped off with my baptism, right? Or maybe, or maybe you're here today. Anybody here today who has been baptized in this church? I'm just curious. Anybody? Okay. So I, I'm, I'm going to get into that a little bit more later. Maybe you have already been baptized. Maybe in this church, maybe not. But maybe today will serve as a reminder to how significant your commitment is, your outward expression and your inward commitment. So I want to talk about your outward expression first. Romans 6.4 says it like this, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. So there's this beautiful symbolism that happens when baptism happens. We're participating in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's what's happening when we're being brought into the water. It's the symbolism of something that was once that something that, that needed to, to die and to be buried into the water and come out and to resurrect into new life. This is the symbolism of baptism. And so if you're a little bit more practical like me, I'm going to give you a practical example. Does anybody in here like to, to go out and do four-wheeling? Anybody in here? Anybody watching online? So when I was in high school, my friend had a cabin, and we got the opportunity to go four-wheeling a lot, and I really, really enjoyed it, and the best time to four-wheel is in the spring, and if you four-wheel, you already know where I'm going with this, because in the spring, it's muddy, and you, get, you can get really muddy four-wheeling in the spring, and so my first experience 
riding four-wheelers in the spring. We're riding through all of, all of my friend's land and just getting covered head to toe in as much mud as humanly possible. Our goal was to cover ourselves in mud so much that we couldn't even recognize each other. And that's what ended up happening. We covered ourselves in mud from four-wheeling that we couldn't even recognize each other. Now, I got the opportunity to get to the bathroom shower area first. And so when I came out and my friend's dad was there and I was all clean and my friend was still covered in mud from head to toe, he looked at me and said, you look like a brand new person. And I think that this is what happens when we say yes to baptism, when we say yes to Christ. We are clothing ourselves with Christ. We are being made new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. So it's this outward expression of being made new, of declaring that you've been made new by Christ and for Christ. But the mistake that we make within this is that we think that baptism is just a one-time event. But really, the inward commitment side of it is that we're making an outward expression of a lifetime of events, of constantly clothing ourselves with Christ. I'm going to bring another Bible verse to you from Ephesians 4, through 24. It says it like this. You were taught with regard to your former life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your mind and put on your new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So just like yesterday night when I was putting on, when I was picking out my outfit, when I was picking out my clothes, like you all who picked out your clothes this morning or maybe haven't changed yet if you're watching online, um, You had a choice of what you were going to wear. And each day we live with this choice of whether or not we're going to wear Christ or not. If we are going to put on our baptism, our being made new in Christ. And to be honest, some of us maybe make that choice in the morning, but by the time we hit dinner time, we've changed our outfit. Maybe we change our outfit when we're stuck in traffic and that person in front of us is driving so slow. Or maybe we change when uh, we, we have to figure out now how to do schooling at home full time. Maybe we change our outfit. And let me ask you this, going back to this whole idea of baptism being the wedding ring of, of faith. What is the first sign that somebody is going to commit, say, adultery. The first thing they do is what? Hide this wedding ring. They would hide it. And so for some of us, we've made this conscious choice to start to hide what this outward expression represents. But just like this ring represents my wedding day, it not only represents my wedding day, but it represents my marriage. And so the wedding is just one day, but the marriage is a lifetime of days. Similar, the baptism is just one day, but, is, but it is a lifetime commitment, an inward commitment to follow Christ. 
And so I want to talk about the inward commitment for a while. There's an inward commitment that we are committing to really three key areas is what I've broken it down to. Number one is to follow Jesus first. Luke 14, 26 through 27 says it like this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. This is just a great verse to read as a guest speaker. This is like some of those brutal Jesus words that when you read it, it's like, whoa, whoa, where are you going with this one, Jesus? Because this is the same guy who's saying, you know, love, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And here he's saying, whoever does not come to me and hate their father, their mothers, their wife, their children, their brothers and sisters, and yes, even their own life, And he's using the word hate. But here in Luke 14, hate means simply to love less. Hate means that Jesus is saying, look, you need to put me first above everything else in your life. Because if you're not putting me first, everything else in your life is going to start to crumble and fall apart. If you are not putting me first in your life, then you're not going to be putting me first in your marriage, first with your kids, first in your careers. And so you need to be able to put me first. Again, I'm really practical, so I ask the question, well, how do I know if I'm putting God first? How do I know if I've, I've made a commitment, this inward commitment? Here's the question that you need to, to explore this week. Is there something, someone, or some feeling that you run to more than Jesus? I'm going to say that again. Is there something, someone, or some feeling that you run to more than Jesus? And if the answer is yes, you may want to sort your priorities to putting God first. So following God first. The second one is to follow Jesus always. Now this one sounds really simplistic, but actually if you dig deeper into your own inward commitment it has become increasingly hard to follow Jesus always in a year as unpredictable as 2020. Am I right? I mean, there's been so many loops, so many curves, so many different uh, kinds of situations where it's, it's challenged our own faith. And to be honest, guys, this, this year is not the first time that it's been difficult for me to follow Jesus. Just a little bit about my story. I was raised in a non-Christian home. I'm an only child. And uh, I really struggled in high school with depression and anxiety and bullying. It was just not a fun time for me in high school. And so I started to explore the question at a very young age, if life is this hard, why live it? And by the grace of God, I, I ended up in a Christmas service in December of 2005 heard a testimony similar to what you're hearing, a story about somebody's coming to faith. And I said, you know what? Before I follow through on that whole plan of ending my life, maybe I ought to give Jesus a try. And so I gave Jesus a try. But following God was not easy. It wasn't like my depression was cured overnight. It was a lifetime of nights. But I still followed and committed to Jesus always. Fast forward a couple of years, and I'm now 20 years old. I'm married 
uh, to um, a girl that I met in youth group, and I had my first child, and I'm in a band, so things are going really good, right? And, uh, and as I'm in this band, as I'm doing ministry, as I'm going to school and all these things are happening, my wife is having an affair with our guitarist, my best friend. And in the middle of the night, they take off and I'm, I'm a single father. And it became increasingly difficult to follow God. It's that crisis of faith moment. Fast forward a little bit more, God starts to redeem my life. God starts to bring me through hope and healing. I meet my wife, Chelsea. I start youth and worship ministry, and this, this amazing redemption story is happening. I start following this call into church planting. I start following God's will for my life. Things start to get better with, with our relationship with my, with, my, uh, with my daughter's mother, and everything is going really good really good again. And then about after the Super Bowl here in Minneapolis, my daughter was playing alone in in the backyard and a complete stranger came into our backyard that was part of a sex trafficking ring, shoved my eight-year-old daughter in a car and drove off. They got about a half a mile away until my daughter was saved by the grace of God and able to escape the car and run home to my arms. Following Jesus always, I can tell you from experience, is not an easy task. And so as we're here in 2020, and we find it increasingly difficult through our trials to follow Jesus always, we have to remember Colossians 2.12, we have to remember that inward commitment of our baptism. It says you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because, this is the important part, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. I trusted the mighty power of God that he was going to take my trials and turn them into testimonies. And he has, because I get the opportunity to help others through depression, through anxiety. I get the, the opportunity to help other men and women through divorce and adultery. I get the opportunity to speak out against sex trafficking. And so God uses these deep pains for ministry. He uses these deep pains that we can trust in his mighty power. And so now let me get practical again for a second. How do I know if I'm following Jesus always? Here's the question that you need to ask yourself this week. Are you following and loving Jesus despite your circumstances? Are you following and loving Jesus despite the circumstances in 2020? So we have follow Jesus first, follow Jesus always, And last, we have help others follow Jesus. The great commandment, the one that we, or the great commission, the one that we all know in Matthew 28, 19, it says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And so your commitment, Mosaic, to the Great Commission has been that in five years you have baptized 40 people. Can we give it up for God for just a second for that? 
Now, I have something crazy. I have a crazy dream for your church. I have a crazy dream for your church. What if in five years we could triple that number? What if in five years this became the place known as the baptism church? That people were coming here to know Jesus, to follow Jesus, to enter into that outward expression and that inward commitment. What if this was the place that that moment happened? You see, I've had the opportunity in my life to baptize 40 people as well. It's been an amazing experience. I've gotten to baptize both of my kids, my wife, my mom, a bunch of my friends, but probably the most significant baptism. It it doesn't make any of the other baptisms not significant, but a very special baptism, I should say to me, is when I got to baptize my dad. And it was this amazing moment because a little bit about my dad's past is he was, he was brought up uh, in a very abusive, emotionally and physically abusive household without a mom, in and out of foster care. He always doubted if God's, God actually existed or if God actually loved him. And so when I answered the call to ministry and I was following God and loving God, it was almost like he was resentful of it. But through a long process, I watched my dad slowly give his life to Jesus. And I remember being in the tank with my dad, holding my dad's shoulder, and being able to bring him into the water and come out of the water with tears in his eyes. It was this amazing moment. Now I want you to think of your friends, your family, your coworkers the people that God has placed you around. Think about how amazing of an opportunity it would be to stand by the side of the baptism tank or even to stand in the baptism tank with somebody that you got to introduce to Christ and bring them down into the water and out of the water as they make that outward expression and that inward commitment. And that's what, to go back to what Eric was saying earlier today, That's what you have the opportunity to do. As you love the people in your circles, as you love your neighbors, you will will start to lay the groundwork, the seeds, to enter into this moment in the future with them. And so I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to live out the inward commitment of bringing people to follow Jesus. And I want to leave you today with this. I want you all to remember your outward expression. Remember your outward expression and remember to wear Christ. Wear him out loud and remember to live your inward commitment to follow Jesus first, to follow Jesus always, and to help others follow Jesus. Now, if you're here today and you want to enter into this commitment of baptism, there's a couple of ways you can do it. Uh, You can go online and you can fill out a form. You can uh, talk to Pastor Eric and reach out to us on our Facebook page. Any way that we can start the conversation about baptism here at Mosaic, we'd love to do that. And so uh, I want to invite you into that space if you have it. And if you have I want, you to, I want you to leave today remembering your inward commitment and your outward expression of baptism. So let's pray together for that. God, I pray that as I share 
that as I shared this morning on baptism, I pray that we would not forget. We would not forget. We would leave here remembering our baptism. God, that we would, that we would be a church that introduces people to you and to your love and to your grace. And that as a result, people would come to, to live that outward expression and that inward commitment as well. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for uh, their, their willingness to, to hearing me speak this morning. And I want to pray for everybody here and everybody watching online that they would just be blessed as they reflect on these questions and as they reflect on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, everyone.